0: as we head into the special holiday week in the US. Yes, my favorite holiday of the year, July 4th. You guys know why it's my favorite. I get to battle with all of the folks saying, don't forget who won the war. I know, I get it. I know that you personally helped with it. But with this week, we're gonna do a special. We're gonna do something that we've never done before. This is a little bit of a reverse show today because last week's guest on the show was Amy Johnson and it was an incredibly compelling conversation. But a few weeks back, I was actually a guest on Amy's show, Changeable. And so today we wanted to share my conversation with Amy where I sat in the hot seat, where we talked about my perspective on failure, resilience, and how I approached the term changeable or changeable, as I like to call it as a purple patch concept. And we also talk about an equation, an equation that is quite simple. Your performance is all about your potential minus interference, something to dig into. And we thought that we would share that conversation today because it's really relevant to the broader perspective of performance and we think it will be useful. And so it's a little fun, it's a little different, and you actually get to hear me being interviewed. You might even enjoy it. But before we get into it, let's have some important run-throughs with our old favorite segments. The first, the squatty update. The reason we want to do a squatty update this week is because we are heading into the midway point of the triathlon season. And in this weird lopsided of all seasons, the racing has barely begun. We have a ton of races still to come, a ton. And so it's a call to action this week. Dive in and double down. I invite you personally to take your performance to the next level. Come on the journey to achieve your sporting goals, but more importantly, to successfully integrate sport into life so that you can develop your health, perform at work, and be the best version of yourself that you can possibly be. And I believe we can help you get to become a part of something really special. We get to feel all good about ourselves because we'll make you thrive. That's a personal promise. Reach out to us and have a chat. Info at purplepatchfitness.com or simply head to our website, have a nice browse around. Window shopping is fine. purplepatchfitness.com. And with that, let's get on with it. Barry, I have been tickled pink by your evolution as a cameraman in our live video coaching sessions. I hesitate to say it, but you're actually doing pretty good. But on the flip side, I do feel like you've let the standards slip a little bit on this show. And so right now, I want passion, Barry. I want you to <clears throat> bring it. Lift our spirits, Barry. Come on my shun. Eat it. Strum that ukulele. It is the Word of the Week. We like the way he thinks, serious with the way. Let's open the book, it's time to take a peek. It's the Dixonary Word of the Week. All right, guys, I'm going back into the vault for this one. But this is important. This week, as a reminder, the Word of the Week, Nail the Basics. No matter what your pursuit is, sport, work, painting, woodwork, a musical instrument, stand-up comedy, well, hello, Mrs. Jenkins, I want you to nail the basics. Your mastery of performance consistency always lies in keeping the mind clear of complexity and instead consistently showing up in the areas that are going to get you 90% of the way to perfection. If you depressurize your approach, don't actually chase perfection, but allow yourself to enjoy the process. Woe be tired, have fun. You are going to be almost there. Too many folks, often out of fear or pressure to cross every T or dot every I, add complexity to situations that would really benefit from simplicity. And racing is a great example. There is a ton to think about in racing. But don't forget that you typically train for a race every day. And racing is really just an expression of your training. It's a really hard training day. And so your success is going to come from mastering the things that you do daily. Wow. Suddenly that seems achievable, familiar, it doesn't come from some almighty additions in the pursuit of some mystical perfection. When you keep things familiar and simple and you commit to problem solving when things happen in the race, just like they do in training, and then you offer a decluttered mind in which you have a greater scope for your training, and your body to actually express itself in what it can do, you are in a powerful place. And let me tell you this, it's not ironic that the highest level of performance, those athletes that are just the pinnacle of performance tend to fall into the category of those that love to keep it really simple. Their process is repeatable. It's familiar. And so don't think that you need to add complexity. If you're on a journey to play stairway to heaven with your eyes closed, or you're trying to build the next tech company unicorn, or you're prepping for an Ironman, nail the basics, master the fundamentals, and do that for many months or years. And then perhaps then you get the right, the privilege to add those finer details. And I want you to keep that in mind as you go on your performance journey. It is our word of the week. Nail the basics. And now, to celebrate July 4th, it is my favourite subject. Me. Yes, folks, it is our meat and potatoes. A bizarre one I bring you, as interviewed by psychologist Dr. Amy Johnson. This interview originally aired on Amy's show, Changeable and you can see that we are intrigued to have a chat as changeable is a central theme in performance and purple patch and so without further ado here's our chat i hope you enjoy it it is our meat and potatoes
1: Welcome to Changeable. This is episode number 147, High Performance From Within with Matt Dixon.
0: You're tuned in to Changeable with Dr. Amy Johnson. Changeable podcast is all about breaking habits, ending anxiety, and the ironic way change really works. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show.
1: Hey there, welcome back to Changeable My guest on today's episode is kind of special. I think I can count on one hand, maybe two hands, how many guests I've had in 140 episodes now who don't really have any formal understanding or familiarity with this new paradigm. I mean, really, almost everyone does because that's just who I tend to want you listeners to hear from, right? So... Uh, there for sure are exceptions though, for sure. Um, but you know, not very many. I can count them on a hand or two. And Matt Dixon is one of those exceptions. So Matt works uh he has a company called Purple Patch Fitness, where he coaches um High performers in business and especially in athletics. So he works with a lot of athletes who are training for um, the Ironman competition, but really like the world champion of Ironman competitions. Like he, you know, these people do incredible things, and he works with people who who consider themselves athletes and are going for world championships. But he also works with a lot of people who are just like any of us, uh, who just want to build this into their life, build something new into their life. And I was connected with Matt because one of uh, one of the things that he talks about a lot in his work that's behind high performance for anyone is being changeable or changeable, as he calls it. Kind of same thing, right? So someone connected us and said, hey, this is your podcast. This is what he does. I think there's some overlap here. It was really cool because the more we started to talk, the more I saw. Yeah, there's a lot of overlap, and I, I, this happens all the time. But I love finding people who, again, don't you know, haven't formally studied this understanding, uh, don't maybe give it a lot of thought or see it in this sort of package, but who intuitively are living it and using it in their work. And again, it's it's incredibly common, really. And so, Matt falls into that category perfectly. Uh, in this conversation, we talk about high performance, what it's about, uh, being resilient, change able, letting things flow through us. So the interference from our mind, our doubts, all of that, we talk a little about that being very fluid. Um, we talk about failure. We talk about... Um, just how he sees high performance where he sees it coming from and again without using the language that we may be uh used to he's saying the exact same things that I would say you know so it's just it's just fun to kind of uncover that in a conversation we talk about this equation from the inner game of tennis uh performance equals potential minus interference so in our terms you know it's this idea that it is it is innate. Like, yes, we train and we study and whatever it is we do to get good at our craft, but, but performance comes from within us. And it's not about putting something new there so much as, as seeing the obstacles for what they are. And the obstacles in most cases uh, is nothing but a bunch of thinking. So, so uh, that really resonated with Matt and we talked about that. And I think you're just going to love this conversation. It's, it's one of those that really brings these ideas that I talk about um, in, you know, in other stories in, in terms of people trying to change habits or find freedom from anxiety. Uh, his work really brings it to life in kind of an arena that we don't look at all that much. So uh, I think you'll love it. So enjoy this conversation with Matt Dixon. Hi Matt, thank you so much for coming on changeable.
0: Thanks so much Amy, I'm really excited to be here.
1: Yeah, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to this conversation. It's kind of funny how we how we were connected by someone who knows you and and you talk about changeable as well. (laughs) And I obviously talk about changeable here on changeable. So Mm -hmm. here we are talking about change and changeable in probably slightly different ways. Although I suspect uh, well, we know because we've talked a little bit, we have more in common than it may seem on the surface. So Mm -hmm. it'll be interesting to kind of see where we go here.
0: It, it is. I mean, we, we literally don't know where we're going to go, but uh, but uh, I'm sure it's going to be fun either way. So I'm very much looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, great. So so maybe tell everyone uh, a little bit about what you do, who you work with, and kind of how you work with them.
0: Sure. So I lead, actually with my wife, Kelly, we both lead uh, Purple Patch Fitness. And so we're an endurance coaching company and, and our athletes who we serve all over the world really a a community of people that I I would say united by a common mindset. And that's that they have this desire to improve and they want to improve not just in sport but also in all aspects of their life. And so if any of your listeners have heard of the Ironman, um, I coach many of the leading professionals in that sport. So yes, it's a pretty challenging and, and probably conjures up quite a lot of uh, stereotypes of this obsessive over-committed side. But a lot of the people that we help are by no means elite athletes and are really looking for people that are seeking, going on a journey, I like to say, to reach their full athletic potential. But I think the important part is by going on that journey and seeking their athletic potential, they end up feeling more comfortable, more confident in their bodies, and they actualize potential in all other areas of their life. And that's really the, the key point for us is that sport is sort of the the crucible, the role in which you can develop education, mm-hmm. insights, and, and feel better in life. And, and that's really what we help all people from all walks of life do.
1: I love that. So So it's not just kind of eyes set on a very specific goal. I mean, maybe that's part of it for sure. But what they're seeing and learning and what you're knowing the whole way through is that it's not just about achieving some, you know, crossing some finish line. It's everything else that's for sure going to come along with that.
0: Yeah. And I think that, I think that's very important because if we closed our eyes and we thought about an endurance athlete, I think it's fair to say that most people would think about this very obsessive person that's driven almost at the expense of other areas of their life. And our mission, our pursuit is sort of to break that mold. And there's actually, you you mentioned finish lines. So goals are important. And goals are sort of for us the checkpoints, the good ways to sort of keep the compass and, and keep the program on track. But really, what drives most of our athletes is purpose and a a deeper meaning of why they're doing it. And for us, the thing that sort of unifies, even our very elite professional athletes that are unapologetically going after world-class performance, they want to do so in a pursuit of, of really finding out what they can do, what they can be for their own personal journey. But it extends well beyond whether they qualify to a world championships, whether they win a world championships, whether they cross the finish line, it's actually the journey, which in itself is the source of lessons, education, and, and ultimately benefits, I would say.
1: Yeah, so so what are some of the things that happen along that journey? You know, like, like what are the things, obviously there's a lot of training and, and a lot of the physical aspects, but what are some of the things that you see in your clients like what do they realize about themselves and what do they have to see more internally, I guess, uh, or what do they see internally like along that journey as they're going through that?
0: A lot. We could probably spend the rest of, uh, the, rest of the show talking about this, but, but let me preface it by talking about the norm and uh, the unfortunate norm. And, and I think that a lot of athletes out there, a lot of coaches out there tend to dump training programs on top of life. And the, the very the most basic step, our mission and, and, and the education of our athletes is to try and integrate training into their life. And the reason that I start with that is that a, a, lot, of, a lot of folks end up isolating or thinking of different components of their life as being mutually exclusive. And by going on the athletic journey, one of the first things that athletes realize is that how you are chopping carrots in the kitchen or how you, you know, treat your kids is how you are as an athlete as mm-hmm. well. And everything is is interlinked. So there's this real epiphany of education that, that comes with, hang on, I need to look at things holistically. And, and a lot of it starts with stress, actually. Uh, a lot of athletes think, okay, I've got to train for an Ironman. It's very, very big. So what's my training program? And then they go get busy trying to ram it into an already time-starved life. Right. And so by turning the equation and saying, going with integration rather than just dumping it on top of life, they start to look at their work stress, their family life, their sleep habits, their nutritional habits, and they start to look at it. And I'm not a fan of this word, but but it's the easy word to use. They start to look at things more holistically. and as soon as you get that, you, you get this great perspective. And so I think by going on, number one would be perspective. They get a lot of perspective on who they are as a person and how they're leading their life. The, the second thing by going on this athletic journey is the absolute realization that you can be goal-driven, ambitious, motivated, dedicated, all of those words, But a simple truth that the journey to performance, whether it's winning a world championship or crossing a finish line or graduating from college, whatever it might be, is absolutely full of setbacks, obstacles, failures. And that is actually a prerequisite. That is opportunity stepping stones of growth. And so... We use a lot we talk a lot about the words of uh, adaptability and these develop physical resilience mental resilience. It is the journey that builds those characteristics and uh, and so I would say that those words are, are and, and the athletic journey in itself in many ways is 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 very analogous to what we have all collectively just lived through over the last year where it's just this chaotic confusion a whole bunch of unexpected things a lot of challenges and the mindset and traits and characteristics that an athlete needs to deploy to go on the athletic journey are very very similar to the people that were most successful in navigating the challenges of the last year in many ways
1: yeah and and those are like you mentioned the kind of um i don't know this is just my words and you tell me how if this resonates with what you see but the the ability to kind of let ideas and thoughts and preferences and I didn't want it to go this way and even successes, let that all move through, right? There's mm-hmm. this there's this way in which us humans, just psychologically, like we just want to hold on to something. Our, our brain just does it. Our brain wants to know, wants to know who we are and whether we're good or bad and what's coming and all of that. So I I imagine it's the same in what you see or very similar where you know, yeah, like you have a great training day, you have a horrible training day. You Like you think, you know, what, that you're going on your vacation last summer, <laughs> you realize, hey, there will be no vacation last summer. And by the way, you can't leave the house for anything. Like, but, but being able to let that be fluid and kind of know that it doesn't impact your, who you are. Like it's, you know, it, it's just, it's just experience kind of moving through us.
0: I, I think that's, I mean, it's such a, I'm going to steal that, but uh, <laughs> thank you. It's, it's such a, a poetic and perfect way to say, when athletes first start with us, they, they often begin by seeing every day of training as a pass-fail endeavor. Mm-hmm. And we have a saying at Purple Patch, life is not a spreadsheet. So in other words, it's very important to take random out of the equation. You want to plan, you want to be specific in your training then you have to, as we say, work the plan. And that means being responsive, not reactive, but responsive to how your body is. And we're not building a bridge. Human physiology is really fluid and somewhat chaotic and responds to all of the stresses that we have, whether it's lack of sleep or hard training or an argument with the spouse or a deadline from work. And so it's it, it's almost impossible to predict. And so we want athletes to develop a, a mindset which is really fluid and is responsive and not get dragged down. Oh, I have a bad day of training, so I am a failure. Right. No, your legs failed you and that's okay. Right. Now, so what now? What? Where are you going to go? And, um, and I think that's an interesting thing with, with that word failure because a, a lot of, A lot of folks think about failure as I am a failure. And it's like, no, that's different. To, To fail is actually an opportunity to learn, to grow. And as soon as you shift your relationship and start to realize this has happened, but the world hasn't ended, now I need to respond to it and shift, adapt, navigate around, you start to build adaptability. And adaptability, I think, is a key asset. Or, or and, and and this is no word of a lie. One of the reasons that we got thrown together, but we talk about developing the characteristic of being changeable or changeable, and uh, we say coachable and changeable, etc. So, so yes, it's very much at the heart of the athletic journey.
1: Something you just said in there is so big, and kind of what what we talk about here a lot. And that's you mentioned, you know, the difference between. I'm a failure and this thing happened. And again, our mind can label it a failure, but even in the way you just said it, that's no failure. It's beautiful that that happened, right? Because we get to learn from it and see from it. So I wonder how you see that go with high performers in any area um, in terms of having things feel and look very personal. This is one thing that, again, we look at this a lot and I work with people with with uh, finding freedom from habits and anxiety and all of that. And when our experience looks personal, like this is happening to me and I shouldn't feel this way and why do I feel this way and my husband's being that way, it's all this I, me, mine it is so sticky and we we live in a super tiny kind of reality when that's the case. You know, like when, when it's all I, me, mine, everything has to go a certain way or else we don't feel okay in the world. But the more we take that I stuff out of it and we see like life isn't about us. It's not, it's truly not about us. It's, it's we're We're players in this game of life and it's just occurring around us and we get to play in it. I mean, so much opens up. So I hadn't thought of that too much in like this performance area, but it, does that resonate with you as something that you see?
0: I do. And um, in fact, if I think of the the highest performers and, and I I'm quite lucky because I get to work with some of the highest performers in sport. And then I tend to work with quite a lot of sort of very high performing C-level executives. And the interesting thing of people that you would... Label successful, if you want to call this, is that the traits and characteristics that they tend to have in common are very, very similar. and what what you just mentioned there, I think are, are central to high performers, people that, that are globally successful in an enduring way. and um, one of them is if you take it in an athletic context nobody likes to have a bad race. So it's not that you have to think, oh, it's okay, it doesn't matter, like I, I I failed, yeah? No one likes that, but the highest performers, the people that are enduring, understand that that is a part of it. And, and what they try to do is control the things that they can control that would lead to a good output outcome and then learn from the things that they didn't do well. And I think that, it's not that they like to lose or like to fail, but they see it as growth. And so they manage to disassociate the the personal from it. But I think there's another side to it which helps that person always. And that's that they are typically very eager to learn and to grow. They're very coachable and they thrive in accountability. And when you manage to have some... Clear speaking, accountability, and support you can really help with your perspective and growth on that and and I think that a lot of people that struggle with the personalization of failure often think it is just their problem to deal with and um, and we find if if the if, if listeners close their eyes and think of the highest performing athletes make it up serena williams uh, lebron james I, these are people that you look at in an iconic way because they're amazing, but they absolutely love the journey. They are highly coachable. They thrive on accountability and feedback. And those are the characteristics that really help them face failure and remove the personal attachment to it. And it gives them a sense of freedom. And, and by the way, I, 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 I almost guarantee that that on the court or on the yeah, on the court tennis court as well, that expresses in other areas of their life in many ways.
1: Yeah, I think that's so big. It's like you can feel when um and we see it in, in the media and stuff well as well. Like you can see when someone's ego gets in there, when everything's about them and and like you said, it you can almost watch like a, a I'm sure you really can. You could see someone do their sport and you can see them doing it as if it's a pass-fail game. Or you can mm-hmm. see them where like they aren't even in the picture. It's like their body's just doing what they've trained to do and it almost is like they're not even there in a, you know, mentally in yeah. a sense.
0: And it's so awesome to see that. They're allowing their body to express their training. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you offload that, in fact, there's a wonderful little vignette story Uh, of uh, of an athlete a few years ago, Tim Reed, an Australian athlete that I coached that I'm sure none of your listeners have heard of. But the world championships that year were in Australia in his hometown. And so this would be the world championships in uh, in the half Ironman distance uh, rotate around the world. And a few weeks before the race, Tim called me in a panic. And he said, what happens if I don't race well? All of my family and friends are going to be there. And over the course of a conversation, we managed to shift the relationship with that to not make it about him pass fail. Instead, it was just think, Tim, just think this is the only time in your life that you're going to get to do a world championships in front of all your friends. And so no one else is going to have all their friends there and so why didn't you let why wouldn't it be terrible if you didn't allow yourself to enjoy it and so his race plan and it's with context of course was tim go and have fun and then make smart decisions and i trust you to make smart decisions it completely shifted it and he was excited and and what he did is he didn't make it about him he made it about the occasion and it lifted him and of course he then went and had a wonderful race and became world champion. But he did it because from the inside out, he had a smile on the face where it wasn't about him. It wasn't past failure. He just let his body do. And then it rose to the occasion and it was lifted by that thing that was a threat just two weeks prior.
1: So you didn't say to him, he didn't come to you and say, Oh my gosh, I think, you know, I might fail and what will happen and you didn't say, okay, Tim, here's here's what we're going to do. We're going to visualize you winning. Like you are going to be this world champion and we're going to cuz cuz that would keep him in the equation, right? Or or why don't you go there? I'm curious. I want to hear you talk about that from your in your words.
0: Yeah, very very rarely do we in fact never have I asked an athlete to visualize the outcome. Because Where I want their focus to be is on the process, Mm -hmm. or for the Americans, the process. So I I want them, the outcome, we cannot control Tim becoming a world champion because he might do everything right and there might be someone faster or two people faster. And so if our success is on an outcome, that becomes something that's not in your control and, and and it automatically goes back to personal. Versus, if we say this is an amazing occasion, going enjoy it, and as you go along, and, and we've already sort of instituted that the habits of you're going to swim and you're going to go through this, you're going to bike and and go through the areas that are under your control in the course of the race, then you have the highest propensity to and and the mental capacity to make smart decisions around what's happening in the race and do the best that you can do. And if you do those two things, and then the chances are the outcome is the best it can be. And that outcome might be, and this is really important, it might be that he gets fifth, but has done everything he can do on the day to have a great performance. And therefore he could be a proud, by definition is not a failure. Yeah. On the flip side, he could do everything he can control and have a few pits of luck that went his way as well and he became world champion. And, and so I think that avoiding outcomes helps and thinking about things you can control is, is a, a smarter way to do it. In fact, even in the journey day to day. Someone might want to be a world champion, but most of the champions never even think about that. They're like, yeah, I want to do well at that race. But the thing that drives them is their purpose. I want to see how good I can be. It's a personal journey. The outcomes, the trophies, the wins are just nice outcomes that happened on this wonderful journey. And that that diffuses the past failure side of things.
1: Yeah. And I I just love that. And maybe this is the norm, but I think the stereotype, kind of like you mentioned, we imagine the endurance athletes, we have these stereotypes of them just being so rigid and it's all about the outcome. Like, you know, there is no option of losing. So I just, and you can feel how that would have someone so much more in their head and just it just, it's the opposite of that fluidity we talked about and that resilience, right? I mean, it's, it's just a hyper focus on how things must go. So I love that. Yeah. You're, you're talking the complete opposite of that, really.
0: It it really, and the, those that have enduring greatness, so don't just win a race, but go on the athletes in the sports that you might follow that they're the ones that tend to be very, very driven, very committed, but tend to be Pretty nice, and and most of their habits are really pretty basic. They're really simple, and they draw people in to lift them up. and And there are, there are some champions that are kind of the stereotypical cutthroat, and losing is not an option. But th- that's actually not the norm. The higher up the level of the athlete, and the more enduring success, the more process driven they are, because they realise that along this journey, they're they're going to get setbacks and so that that's what drives them ultimately
1: and and what a nice formula for life i mean no matter what you're doing in life and you know and you, i know you said yeah. that it's like it applies to everything but just for people listening that don't consider themselves high performers of anything it like what a beautiful way to go through life to just be in the process of it, but truly kind of what we're saying is like, just be in the moment, like just live your life, (laughs) just be in the living of it rather than trying to get somewhere. I mean, it changes everything.
0: Yeah. We, we, we always talk about embrace the journey. We don't say seek the destination. You like embrace the journey. And we we spend a lot of time talking about the athletic mindset. You don't have to identify as being an athlete, you don't have to be a comp you never need to hit a start line of any type of event to draw from the lessons that I'm talking about today. And I, I think of one of our now athletes who who absolutely determines or, or defines herself as an athlete, Marina, who the first time she did any form of exercise at all, she grew up in the Ukraine, was when she was over 30 years of age. Uh, her father, when she was young, refused to let her participate in PE and uh she had a a crazy roller coaster of her life up to about fifty years of age and uh, and over the last six or seven years, we got her from not being able to walk up a flight of stairs to finishing triathlons and half iron distances but all she did was integrate habits, draw from the athletic mindset, and went from you know some some very very poor health profiles to to a really healthy, vibrant, mentally and physically healthy, vibrant, adaptable, and resilient person. And yeah, she finished triathlons, but it's who she has grown into as a person. And so mm-hmm. this this stuff that I'm talking about, I don't believe is, is isolated for people that identify as being an athlete, is the point.
1: When you talk about that athletic mindset, is that the stuff that you mentioned earlier, like being... um Coachable and and adaptable in that, it,
0: it is. And uh, and from a from a practical side, I would add one other thing, which is, I think that if if anyone listening wants to thrive, is a nice way to think about it. So wants to have good energy, a good healthy profile, be able to be active with their kids or whatever it might be, be able to perform in the workplace, be the best mother or father they can be. The first step to that is having a platform of health and resilience. And in order to have that, we need to move our bodies. We do have to do that. We need some very simple habits that are important around some good quality eating. I'm not about ter- talking about turning into a monk with your eating, but to have some good quality food to give you a good health profile, you need some rejuvenation, both in the terms of sleep, but also a place where you have some time for yourself to do your hobbies. It doesn't matter whether it's building model airplanes or bird watching or being with your kids. And all of that needs to come together to a recipe which is integrated with the other non negotiable commitments that you have in your life, your work, your family, et cetera, and when you get that recipe right, you really are being an athlete that's that's how an athlete goes about it is the integration of training and habits so that they can create this magic word of consistency, and when you do that over time, you feel better, you are better, you're healthier, and you thrive
1: yeah, I love that it it really um I don't know, it really brings back a lot for me because I uh I went through a period of time when I was in an eating disorder and I would exercise very hard. I'd always been an athlete um and still am, but it it took a really bad turn. It was the complete opposite of everything you're saying, you know, it was a mm-hmm. something I must do, it was something I would do uh in lieu of sleep and hobbies and everything else. And you know and now it's just I, it's just so amazing like i don't do anything special i you know i just do some stuff every morning in my basement but i absolutely love it and it does it it just it's so people ask too like how have you been so consistent with it over the years and it's just it's almost a funny question to answer it's almost like someone like saying like how do you so consistently brush your teeth all these years <laughs> it's <laughs> like it's just what i do i enjoy doing it it feels good i don't have to sacrifice a lot i don't have to sacrifice anything really to do it but and i don't know how that all came together but it, you know when you mentioned that list of things it's like yeah all of that is just sort of in flow and it just kind of works out and it feels great
0: yeah i'm um, look i'm english i love drinking beer. It's fantastic, and I can, and and I'm also very healthy, and uh, and I exercise pretty much every day. I think that if I did have one piece of advice for maybe someone that's listening that thinks, yeah, I, I get it, I'd like to do it, but it, it, it you know, it, it seems transformational. That this is not an intervention we're talking about. I think that the the one piece of advice is to meet yourself where you're at right now, and just take really, really small steps. And literally it might be just steps, like create a one really basic habit. I'm going to move my body every day because off of that, you might start to think then, well, maybe I'm not going to have that croissant. And, and, And it can build, but this is not, it's the reason that New Year's resolutions don't work very well is because it's an intervention on a day that is Really restrictive. Yeah. Versus, if you take the long game and you say, "I'm just going to add one habit over the course of many weeks, many months, even many years," that can be transformative over time. And that's how you build habits. And so, meet. Don't don't take the first steps and close your eyes and see an athlete. If you're not one, take the first steps. Meet where you are and just look to feel better. And over time it will build and build and build.
1: Yeah. That's great. Are you are you familiar with the book, The Inner Game of Tennis?
0: I am, but I haven't read it. I've seen yeah. it, so I so I don't know much about it, to be honest.
1: Okay. There's a, you know, somebody gave me that this book a long time ago, and I've heard it because it I've heard it referenced often because it um it kinda uh has a lot of overlap with the sort of uh understanding that I talk about and share here on the podcast. So there's a formula, and I think it was originated in that book, that is something like um, performance equals potential minus interference. And there's something really sort of deep in that, in a sense, that I want to get your take on, that um, it isn't It isn't a bunch of, for me, what resonates so much in that is it's not a bunch of pluses. Performance equals potential, which I think we all innately have a ton of, like as much as we could ever want, right? mm mm-hmm. uh, Minus interference, and what is interference to me? It's a bunch of thinking, <laughs> it's a bunch yeah. of complicated me, me, me. I can't assumptions, all our expectations. I don't want to fail. Just all the mental stuff that moves through, and it just that just I don't know something in that is so simple, and it also sort of speaks to the fact that uh, that it seems like high performance in anything performance period is is innate like we 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 have it in us like like even you use the language you know like once you have the training you just have to kind of get out of the way and let your body do the training mm-hmm. like let your body do what it knows how to do what, you, what you've trained it to do like there's a whole aspect of this that just feels like just get out of the way and man you're going to perform amazingly do you see that
0: Absolutely. There is a reason. uh, I think I've thrown out quite a few purple patch sayings already, but there's a reason that we say nail the basics. And uh, that that equation that you mentioned there is is absolutely spot on. We always talk about trying to marry train potential with race day performance. And the thing that gets in the way is what I call the blizzard of bullshit and uh, and it's stuff that you bring into it yeah, you bring into it uh yourself with all of your thoughts and everything else and then the stuff that you decide to bring in that is unneeded complexity and that's in in sport that's all of the data and the metrics and the special equipment and the magic shoes and all and these voodoo diets and supplements and and people end up getting Paralysis of analysis, both paralysis of analysis of themselves and pass/fail. Should I shanti? What happens if? Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. And by trying to overthink what it really, really takes, and and fundamentally, if you get really, really good at doing some very basic things, and I actually mentioned that earlier when I said high performers, you would be amazed at how simple their lives are. They. Eat pretty well, they sleep well, and they care about it. They, you know, and they they stay pretty even keeled because they've learned that it's mostly habit driven. And then they like to have a lot of freedom. In fact, the the competition, the race, whatever it is, is they, they still get nerves because that's the body's priming itself. It's not that you shouldn't get a little nervous before competition because you care, but that's just the body priming. But it's not nervous in oh my God, what if it's, oh God, I hope I do well here, you know? Yeah. And then you go and give it a crack. And so uh, I, I think it absolutely spot on, absolutely spot on.
1: I love that way of thinking of nerves too, because it's like, gosh, how often do we think and I see this a lot with people with public speaking, you know, like, oh my gosh, how am I going to speak? I'm feeling all this stuff. Well, the same way you speak when you're not feeling all that stuff. You don't need to pay attention to all that stuff, you know, and it's so much yeah. easier. Of course, we can say that, but it's so much easier to not pay attention to it when we know what it is. It's just this normal, it's your body getting ready. It's your mind speeding up a little bit. But it, I think the misunderstanding is that, oh my gosh, this is going to come in and interfere with my performance. Like this this blizzard of bullshit is powerful and it can interfere with my performance. And it doesn't it seem like it can in, unless we think it can? If we believe it can, it will.
0: It, it, exactly. And, and in fact, there is a, a, a big mistake for athletes and therefore everybody else is to try and suppress those feelings, mm-hmm. to, th- to look at them or feel them and try not to feel them. And, and sometimes I'll see the athletes doing it with bravado. Yeah, I'm, I'm not worried. I'm ready. And it's like, actually, no, those are normal feelings. They are almost essential feelings because they are literally priming your body to do what it is, what it want, what it needs to do. But what you can do with those feelings is firstly acknowledge them and, and just say, well, I care. That's a good thing. I actually want to do well. And then you can decide how to respond or interact with those feelings and where to place your focus. And as soon as you, again, it's not personal. You know, you you talked about that earlier. As soon as you step back from it and say, "I'm, I'm nervous because I care and I want to do well. And it's, and it's normal. Anyone in my situation should be and is nervous right now. But let's, let's remember that the reason I'm nervous is because I'm really well trained. And this is a really important event. And what I have to do is focus on the things that I can control. And and as soon as you, you channel that, you get to the doing because you can control your actions, you can control your commitment, and you can commit and control where you're placing your focus. And with that then, these feelings become the driver behind those actions and they amplify it. And in fact, that's the same as if you're, you know, when I do public speaking, and you've got a big crowd out there. You're like, okay, I'm going to be talking. You know what I do? I think, you know what? I'm going to pretend that I'm Freddie Mercury going on stage. Let's go and have it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and and you shift the relationship. You're a little bit nervous and you get out there. And of course, lo and behold, your body does what, and your mind does what, uh, what it's supposed to do.
1: I think that's such a big point that our body knows what to do. Our mind knows what to do. It's all done for us. I mean, yes, we had to prepare and we had to, you know, we have to train. Uh, we have to learn whatever it is we're trying to learn. But in the moments, like once we have that in there, it's, it, it's weird how we think that we're doing it so much, you know, and it's so freeing, I think, to take a step back and say, hey, what if, what if this is all being done through us, you know, in part because of our training, but it's just happening through us because that's how we're designed. And we don't have to worry about anything else that seems to come in the way because it can't truly even interfere. I mean, that's just yeah. I just love how that feels like it could just open things up, and for anyone in any area of life, it's so big. It's so much less on us.
0: It, it really is, you know. We, in fact, th- this whole premise, what we're talking about today, amongst our professional athletes, our professional squad, we have uh, a um, a saying. It's it's the last words that I always say to them before the race. And and it's such a funny thing now that they want it. And you can just imagine the start line, the tension. It's a world championships and the athlete is there and they're getting nervous and they turn and I hold them on the shoulders and I look them in their eyes. And I'll have to say it in a clean way. You're, I won't force you to beep it up. But the last word you say is, don't F it up. And of course, that is absolutely dismantling because the whole point is, is exactly, you know, it's the ironic irreverent thing. And they tell me not to not F it up because it's the whole thing of it's not pass fail. And it's almost my, my secret bond of saying, let's go and do this. Let's go and express ourselves It's not about, it's exactly not about that. And, and those words, which of course, if you just look at them tight is, don't F up. That sounds really coarse. Cool. So you're putting a bunch of pressure. It's actually a release of pressure. So you're reminding the athlete go and express yourself, and that is very meaningful because once they take that on board, it it ties together the whole unity of the squad to say, "Okay, I'm free," and uh, and so yeah, don't eff up.
1: <laughs> I love that. Everything about how you work with with people is a. Uh- i just really really enjoy it because it just it just feels fun and like not so darn serious and just and, and i love the fact that the less serious we are the better we tend to do and that is that so sense. counterintuitive it is so not how most, unless you've experienced that, which most of us have at times, right? We know, oh, it's it's the places where we just, we're not worried about failing, we're just being ourselves, that we just, we do thrive and we just do feel at home with ourselves, you know, like with the people we care the most about and all of that. Nothing's on our mind and life just flows. Yet we go out in the world in these certain areas, especially, especially when there's a competition involved or money involved or something like that. And all of a yeah. sudden it feels like a totally different game. So I just love how, Everything you're saying is just kind of bringing us back to remember like, no, it's really no different. And in fact, the less seriously you take things, the better it's going to go. The better it's going to be. Yeah. That's exactly true. Awesome. Thank you so much for this conversation, Matt. I really enjoy it.
0: I I really thank you for having me on. I very much appreciate it. And I hope that you'll be able to return the favor to me. I'd love to have you on the Purple Patch podcast as well. I think it'd be a lot of fun.
1: Hey, Did you know that my two flagship programs, the Little School of Big Change and the Change Coach Training Program, now have self-study versions? That means you don't have to wait until the next live group starts. You can get instant access to the Little School of Big Change curriculum or to an extensive set of lessons and coaching sessions in the case of the Change Coach Home Study Course and start seeing more right away. The best part, this is awesome, is that you get to go through the self-study versions now or whenever you're ready, and then also join the next live guided versions of these courses. So your investment for the self-study course goes toward the price of the live course if you choose to upgrade. It's a total win-win. You can get this content now, do whatever you want with it at your own pace, and also let me guide you and support you and lead you through it when it's time. I'd love to see you try out one of these self-study courses. You can find links to both of them in the show notes.